BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome to the Titan Size Podcast. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of the Titan Size Podcast, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. We are here to preview the Titans matchup this weekend against another divisional opponent. They played one last week. And the Jacksonville Jaguars, they head down to uh, Duval County. And you know what's funny? Because the Jaguars fans all scream Duval right at the games, as far as I understand, Right. Mm-hmm. So, like, could you imagine going to a Titans game and just listening to everybody scream, Davidson? Because that's the county that Nashville's in. Like, could you imagine that? Like, it just, like, they would get weird looks. Got a nice ring to it. We should start doing it. It seems smart. And jumping in tubs of mayonnaise. <laughs> yes, tubs of mayonnaise. And don't that, don't uh, Jaguars fans say that Titans fans smell like mayonnaise or something like that? I truly have no idea. What? Like, I've seen three Jaguars fans like on Twitter. Ever. Ever. Yeah. I guess <laughs> I think... as, as we kick this episode off, we're going to ask a Twitter question. You can get at us on Twitter at Titan underscore sized. And I'm curious as to what our listeners think or who our listeners think are the most annoying fans in the NFL. Because, <laughs> you know, Pretty much exclusively Titans fans listen, so I'm sure it's going to be like Jags fans or Colts fans, someone in the AFC South. But I don't know. Like when the Packers played here a couple years ago, those guys, those fans were like excruciatingly annoying. Also Seahawks fans because they played here a couple years ago and they were they were like unbearable. Yeah, this isn't my level of expertise because I don't go to many <laughs> many Titans games. Um, but what I can say is Steelers and Raiders fans travel very well. Um, and for the Rams game last year, Rams fans weren't very um, – I don't think they were very hostile. So um, I've had pleasant experiences at Nissan Stadium so far with other fans. Uh, 
Cleveland fans and Denver fans are the best fans I've ever been around because it mm. like I've, I've been to uh, I think I've I've watched the Titans play Denver three times two or three times at least and uh, I've I've almost always sat next to a Denver fan and they're almost like they're always like I I hope y'all win and I'm like well that's <laughs> too. And, and which is so weird. And Cleveland fans just want to go and watch their team not get destroyed. Like they, at this point, they don't care if they mm-hmm. lose. They like. Uh, I'm thinking back to the uh, game, the Kessler game, Cody Kessler, where where well, they had like, like two the Titans, their best deep passing game. Uh, but the worst, like Jaguars mm-hmm. fans, get kind of sloppy. Um, Texans fans are generally pretty cool. Like w- when I left the game this weekend, they were super mad about bill o'brien so i got to talk to him about that which was fun um uh the only other fans i can think of that have really made me mad were the lions fans because uh they came and lost in overtime even though they came back in that and crazy 2012 game yeah and then the whole like the whole way back they were acting like they beat us even though they just lost and it was the weirdest like and I felt kind of defeated because we went from a dominating game to like barely scraping by with a win. But they were like, "Oh, we almost had you. We would have beaten you if." They, and they were like the most confident losers I'd ever seen. So, so like they the were Seahawks were, fans. Yeah, the, like I remember they were leaving the stadium and they were like, uh, "We won the Super Bowl two years ago." I'm like, "Shut yeah. up." Yeah, that's Dude, that's so. Remember weird. the Seahawks Jaguars game? I think it was last year. Oh, when um, the and all, were all that stuff, stuff at, ensued. Uh, was it Michael Bennett they were throwing stuff at, or someone else? I think so. I don't know. But no, like, it was Sheldon Richardson. A really that's bad game. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, that was a that was kind of an S show towards the end. Uh, that was really bad. So there are definitely yes. uh, some terrible fans out there. Uh, actually, it's kind of funny uh, that you mentioned the Texans fans um, talking about Bill O'Brien on the way out um, because on <laughs> on Twitter they were all just having a meltdown. They they hate their organization <laughs> right now. It's actually kind of funny. Yeah, they definitely do. Like even like they love JJ Watt, and that's it. Like that's the like the only yeah. person. They, it's their Andre Johnson, where everything is everybody else's fault, and they're holding back. A generational talent and to be fair you know three years ago they were right when jj watt was good but like now it just kind of like makes me sad remember the year that the texans won the afc south with uh granted this was an okay. afc south with a healthy andrew luck and they won the afc south with brian hoyer and ryan mallet as their quarterbacks yeah those were those were dreadful times that was literally all jj watt and he didn't yeah. win NFL MVP. I'm still mad about that. I'm not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Who won it? Was it uh, was it Peyton or Aaron Rodgers? Probably, I can't remember. Probably a quarterback that had more impact on a game than a defensive end. It was Aaron well, Rodgers. That's who it was. Okay. Well, uh, let, let's just hop right on in and talk about this matchup. Uh, we like to start with the injury reports. Now, we're recording this on Thursday, so uh, – if something drastically changes after Friday's practice for either team, uh, we won't know about it. So don't be like, oh, y'all, we don't know what you're talking about because we literally can't predict the future. Uh, so we're going off of what we have right now. Let's start with Jacksonville. Uh, their key injuries are to th- really three guys. Uh, Leonard Fournette uh, missed practice – or no, excuse me, was limited on, uh, on Wednesday as well as on Thursday. Uh, he's probably going to practice again on Friday. <clears throat> 
I would think he plays, and we'll get in more to talking about Will's theories with Leonard Fournette, which aren't that bad. But just, just stick to his health right now. Do you think he plays? Uh, it seems like the signs are pointing to him playing. Um, I know hamstring injuries, uh, but he's been practicing, right? I think he's been practicing. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. so he should be able to play. Uh, um, and I think for a division game, they're probably going to push him, and he's probably going to push himself to play. Um, I, I mean, I'll let Will do the do the the statistics on with without Fournette. Um, but me, from a personal standpoint, I kind of want Fournette for several reasons. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I think he plays for sure. Like the the think uh, the report is that it was a small hamstring strain, not like a tear or anything like that, and they were just sitting him out because it's a long season and they're planning to ride him for a million carries or whatever. So. I think I think he's probably fine. I would I would agree. And uh, the Jaguars' other two big injuries are to uh, center Brandon Linder and tight end Austin Safarian Jenkins. Uh, Linder, I, I feel like he got injured in camp and is like it's in a it's a situation where he's going to be out for a couple of weeks, right? Um, I have no idea. But if Brandon Linder doesn't play, that's a huge loss um, for the Jaguars' O line, especially. Um, after losing their left tackle, Cam Robinson, um, for the year, he's on IR now. Um, so if they lose Linder for this game and they're going into into a game against the Titans where the Titans are coming off a really good performance um, pass rush-wise and pressure-wise, um, if they go into this game with a backup center and backup left tackle, um, I think that swings things um, in favor of the Titans um, a good amount. I'm, yeah, I'm not definitely. saying the Titans are going to win. But it's definitely a huge advantage for the Titans front see, seven. See if you can find out more about his injury, if you would. Mm-hmm. Um, while he does that, Will, uh, Austin Safarian Jenkins, returned to practice on Thursday. That's obviously a big guy to have back for the Jaguars because while he's no Delaney Walker or Rob Gronkowski, he's very athletic, and you'd much rather be covering him than whoever else the Jaguars have. Or you, you, you would much rather as the Jaguars Covered have. Back. Yeah, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, he, he's a big guy. I mean, I think we all kind of know Austin Safarian Jenkins as the bust who was hyped up forever in Tampa Bay and never came to fruition. But I mean, he's a solid player. Very like, athletic I mean, too. Yeah. He's, he's not OJ Howard, what they thought they were getting in the second round when they got him. And it's kind of what everybody hyped him up. I remember the big thing was that Washington used to use him as a defensive end on like fourth and fifties or whatever at the end of games because he was so athletic, but it was really just because they didn't have anybody who could rush the passer at that time. So this was, this was before like Kikaha and all those guys really like started coming to prominence. So that was more just like they didn't have anybody big and talented and athletic, but you know, he's, he's fine. Uh, Hackett, I think is the offensive coordinator for Jacksonville's name. He does a really good job getting him, uh, against smaller guys, which is easy to do. You just get him against a corner. But, I mean, he's done well with him and kind of rebuilt his career into an average tight end. But, yeah. I mean, is is he better than, you know, Gesicki or whatever or, like, some of the guys that the Dolphins had? Probably not a lot better. Um, but he's probably the Jaguars' second-best offensive weapon behind Keelan Cole. Yeah, uh- I might agree with that. We'll talk some more about their weapons in just a minute. Matias, did you find anything about Linder? Yeah, so Linder's been 
injury um, for a little bit of time, and Maroney said that they're going to give him Wednesdays off, so kind of just like uh, rest days throughout the whole year. Um, he returned to practice today, I believe, so he should be fine. Um, and uh, let me just say uh, one thing about Austin Safarian Jenkins. Last year when he played for the Jets, he had one of the lowest average depth of targets in the entire league. Actually, I think it was like historic um how, how where they gave him the ball it was like right at the line of scrimmage and he couldn't break any tackle get any yardage um and that does seem to, to be continuing as a trend this season um in his first game he only got 8.3 yards per catch um and against the patriots 7.7 yards per catch so he's not exactly someone you need to pay too much attention to in my personal opinion hmm. um so let's hop into talking about the Jaguars roster as a whole. We're going to go kind of a position group by position group, and we're going to start with the, the man under center, which is still uh, Blake Bortles. Really good game last week against the New England Patriots. He did turn the ball over, but arguably it wasn't his fault. I still just don't trust him very much. He's always had a good arm. He's always had the ability to, to deliver accurate throws, but – he has those freak out moments like we saw when they played the, the Titans the last time where, you know, he rolled to his left out of the pocket and threw that awful pass off his back foot that Kevin Byer uh, intercepted. What, what's to make of Bortles? Is he any better than he was last year? Is he the same guy? Is he a little better? You know, what's to make of him? He is such an enigma uh, because <laughs> there, there are games – he looks like a legitimate NFL quarterback. Down to receivers, um, he's pinpoint accurate, um, making completions. He's reading, reading the field, um, and then there are games like Week 17 last year where he looks like literally the worst quarterback in the entire league, um, and he's just chucking balls off his back foot uh, that are getting intercepted, um, skittish in the pocket. So I don't know what to make of him. All I know is that last week he looked fantastic. Um, he was spreading the ball around. Um, he was getting the ball out pretty quickly. Um, and I, I think a, a lot of his success last week um, and in a lot of the games um, that he's played well um, over the last um, season or so, um, I think a lot of that can be credited to their offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett, who's done a really good job. Um, simplifying things for Bortles in a lot of game plans, um, and particularly in game plans where Leonard Fournette isn't playing, um, because as Will is going to tell you at some point, um, in games that Fournette doesn't play, uh, the Jaguars put up a ton of points, um, and a, a lot of it is through the air, um, and a lot of it is through the air um, with their running backs, um, particularly TJ Yeldon and Corey Grant. So I think Fournette, playing or not playing in this game, could be a huge factor and it could be a factor in us um in us seeing one Bortles or the other one yeah I mean Bortles is not very good um people are going to try to sell you on the fact that he's uh he looks better and all this stuff but all you have to do is go back to the AFC championship game last year where this uh offensive staff was so afraid to let him have the ball that they got ultra conservative and blew I think what was it like a 13 point lead or something in the fourth quarter 10 13 points something like that mm -hmm. like I, I mean his own his own coaching staff doesn't trust him when you know if, if they were given truth serum they would say they would have rather have you know 
15, 20 different quarterbacks in the league, and that's probably low. Um, he's high variance. He's going to throw a ton downfield, and if he throws underneath, it's probably a stupid throw. Whether it gets intercepted or not is just on the defender. But, I mean, you, we saw it in preseason versus the Vikings. We saw it last week when he just threw one over the middle and got it intercepted against the Patriots. Like, I mean, he's not changed. He still he reminds me of Brett Favre, where Brett Favre's uh, quote when he said, "I didn't know how to read. I didn't know, know what a nickel defense was until my third year in the league, or whatever he said." Or you know, it, it seems like Bortles really doesn't understand what other teams are doing defensively, even though he's been in the league forever. He's just kind of a guy who you know he's going to throw it, and if he thinks he can throw a guy open, he's going to do it, and if He's wrong, he's wrong. So what you're saying is there's no rhyme or reason to what he does. It's just kind of like backyard football for him. Right. It, it, it's, it's, I mean, and that could explain why he always has so many rushing yards. Yeah, I mean, it's it's because he panics and doesn't know where his outlet receiver is a lot of the time, and he sees space and runs. And then if a team's not covering that, he just does that ten times a game. You know, So he's he's athletic enough to where when he realizes he's got no receivers in the immediate area, he can run through open grass and get seven or eight yards before sliding. So that that's not really his problem. Um, somebody said the best way to play Bortles, and I think this is a smart thing to say, is to play him in zone and let him make the mistakes. And that's a great way to do mm-hmm. it. You try to cover Keelan Cole and Didi Westbrook on – you know, slants and crossing routes and all that stuff and man coverage and your pass rush doesn't get home, then it puts them in a really tough spot. If you have them sit in zone and your guys know what they're supposed to do and they keep everything in front of them, then you're probably going to have a good chance at breaking on a ball he shouldn't throw late in the down. So I think teams overcomplicate it. Hackett does a really good job of making it easy for Bortles, play action, you know, easy dump offs to the running backs, a lot of screens, a lot of tight end stuff, and then a lot of jump balls. Like, I mean, that, that's that's just kind of their offense. And, you know, when it works, it looks really good and really effective. And then when it doesn't, you get Stephon Gilmore swatting away a pass and knocking you out of the AFC championship game. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, when it works and everything's you know in rhythm and on time, it looks it looks pretty and looks like it's a beat down thirteen play eight minute drive where he may have a couple of big passes, but it's predominantly like chew up clock and score points at the end. And that, that's that's what they've based their whole team around is keeping the ball away from Blake Bortles as best they can and with trusting their defense. Yeah, um, I don't know if this means anything. It probably doesn't, um, but. <laughs> But his home and away splits are like crazy. Um, last year on the road, six to eight touchdown interception ratio, completed fifty-five percent of his passes. Um, but at home, sixty-four completion percentage rate and fifteen to five touchdown interception ratio. So I don't know if that means anything. He was terrible at home against the Titans, um, but there's a whole another Titans defense, and we'll see if if those trends continue, which they have so far in 2018 for him. Uh, let's move on to the backfield. And I think you guys were dead on with, with Bortles. Uh, he is an enigma, absolutely. But you're right, Will. He just kind of plays like it's street ball. Um, mm-hmm. Let's move into the backfield where uh, the opinions will be getting a lot stronger in this area of the uh, the Jaguars roster, particularly when Will speaks up. Um the Jaguars have a pretty good backfield. Leonard Fournette, TJ Yeldon, Corey Grant, you know, they've drafted well, 
you know, maybe Leonard Fournette wasn't worth the pick they picked him with, but this is a position they clearly focused on, and it's to the point where, you know, there are guys that can do different things. I don't know. I just I like the backfield that the Jaguars have. Yeah, they, they have a pretty good dynamic. I mean, Fournette's clearly the power back. Um, Yeldon's a better pass catcher um, and is pretty good in pass protection. Uh, but he could also give you something on the ground. Um, he doesn't quite play like he did at Alabama where he could be he could be a little bit more of a power back, although he was um, he was just very athletic, very fast. Um, but he isn't that uh, in the NFL. He's really more of a scat back, even though um, he's a bigger guy. And then Corey Grant, who is the Jaguars' best running back. Um, I'm just kidding. I, joking. But he actually is very good when he does play. Um, and he's just a fantastic, fantastic receiver out of the backfield. And, and he's someone you definitely have to when he is in the game. Um, so I'm kind of hoping they don't play Corey Grant, uh, which they didn't in the game against the Giants uh, in week one. Last week against the Patriots, he caught six passes for 56 yards, um, and he's been able to break a, a, a lot of big plays um, throughout his career um, in really, really limited snaps. Um, so I don't know if they're going to use him if Fournette comes back. I kind of hope they don't because, I mean, we always tend to struggle with, with quicker running backs out of we usually do pretty well with um with power backs. They usually don't hurt us that that bad. So um we'll, we'll see if Fournette plays. Um and if he does, um I'll be happy. Yeah, uh, okay. So I don't I don't really think this is as much of a hot take. I think if you've been keeping an eye on Leonard Fournette and what he's actually done and not just a highlight reel, like you you kind of know he's not a really good running back. Like I mean he's just not nah, he got he had 3.8 yards per carry last year which is not very good he had as many games over 100 yards as he did with less than 60 like i mean he's just not a very good running back like so the big stat uh that evan silva kind of brought up was the jaguars are 4-0 um when fournette doesn't play but the uh, the important thing is they've scored 31 points 45 points, 23, and 27. So they average 31.5 points per game when Fournette plays. So it's not like they're limping around and just, you know, barely beating teams. I mean, their offense is significantly better because they don't have a mentality of we're going to run the ball 25 times with Fournette because that's the way we want to run our offense. And I, I understand. Like, they are scared to give Blake Bortles the ball. Like, they, they do not want that to happen. That's worst-case scenario. That's how you turn a good defense into ineffective is if you give the ball away a lot and the other team just scores on a short field. So, I get it. I wouldn't want Blake Bortles to have the ball either. But there are other better options out there than Leonard Fournette. Like, if the Jaguars would have gotten Deion Lewis and had just played him outright, I think – they would probably go to the Super Bowl. I, I don't. I'm apparently one of the few who is not insanely in love with this two and zero start where they barely beat the Giants and all that kind of stuff. So they uh, beat I mean, the Patriots. Yeah, but they almost lost to the Giants. Like just one one win does not outweigh a really bad performance. If it's against well, the Patriots, it does. The Patriots always lose early in the season. They got smoked by the Chiefs in the opening game last year, and they went to the Super Bowl. The Chiefs like, one of the best teams in the NFL last year. They weren't last year. Yes, they were. We beat them. I don't have time to debate. This is not the time for this. But <laughs> this is not the time. The, the Chiefs. I'm not going to. Anyway, 
so like an early schedule is more about surviving than it is about thriving. That's why you hear everybody talk about, you know, so you're down on them because they're two and O because they haven't been surviving. No, I'm down on them because everybody on earth thinks, thinks they're a top five team because they've had a decent win against the giants and they beat the Patriots, which congratulations. I am. Have you seen their defense? It's the same defense they had last year when the Titans And they put almost up. won the AFC Championship. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, like, I just, I don't, I don't know. You'll never convince me that the team with Blake Bortles at quarterback and Leonard Fournette at running back is a top five team in the NFL. They're just, they're too inefficient and bad as players for me to trust them. Like, I, I mean, I just don't know. I don't. I don't get it. Like I would rather have Case Keenum and uh, who was the running back for the Vikings last year? Dalvin Cook, uh, Tavius uh, Murray. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd rather have those two than Blake Bortles and Leonard Fournette. Just because I think they're better play. Like that's the thing is I, I get that they've got a really good defense and that's special and I, I am so happy for them. But we saw in the Super Bowl that it takes. 45 points to win a Super Bowl sometimes. I don't think the Jaguars are going to be a team that consistently scores above 30 when they have Leonard Fournette. I think they're going to be a team that scores 24 and really hopes that you panic in limited possessions and you lose, but they're they're okay with playing conservative. Like, they didn't – would they have 10 wins last year? It's not like they were consistently better than the Titans. They lost to Blaine Gabbert in Arizona. Arizona, who is the worst team in football so now except nice. for the Bills. It, <laughs> yeah, I mean mm-hmm. – I, I, I don't know. It's so uh, Blaine Gabbert and Marcus Mariota combined for uh, three wins against the Jaguars last year. So, I mean, I guess take that for what you will. Yeah. Um, I'm not quite as biased maybe as will might be. I think the Jaguars, <laughs> the Jaguars are absolutely a top five team. Uh, their defense is elite. They, they just have playmakers at every level of the ball. Um, I do think the Cam Robinson injury does hurt them a little bit on offense, but he really wasn't all that great to begin with. Um, I mean, if it really does all, all just come down to Bortles. I really don't know if they can win a Super Bowl with him, um, but they have enough weapons around him that, that it's possible that they could. I mean, I really like their receiving core. Um, I like their running back group. Um, their tight ends aren't terrible, um, and their offensive line was clicking. It does look like a like a decent top fifteen unit. Um, so I I do think they're a top five team right now in the NFL. Let's talk about their weapons. Uh, I just don't know what they're doing with that. Their defense is so good, but goodness gracious, they picked Andrew Norwell over Allen Robinson. I mean, was- I just don't know. I mean, I get. I'm assuming they just had all, a lot of faith in their in their young receivers, um, which I'm okay with because I really like Keelan Cole. Um, I think he's got a lot of potential going into the future. Um, you saw at the end of last year, he had um, a, like a three game stretch where he racked up. I don't even know. It was like 350 plus yards or something like that. Um, and he was just ripping off big plays. Um, and he did it. He did it last year. Uh, last week, sorry against the Patriots. So we'll see if he can keep it up. He's not really a number one receiver. He doesn't really have the profile, but he's very explosive. Um, And as you saw with his catch last week, he's got very good hands. D.D. Westbrook is more of a 
of a big play threat. I, I'm not sure how to feel about him. Uh, he doesn't really stand out in a lot of games, but when he's just kind of a body. He, yeah, it's weird, but like then he, he do things like, I, like yeah, I like what like apparently he's a head case or has off the field issues or something crazy. Like he did something crazy that. in college, like. Did he like set fire to his girlfriend's lawn or something? Uh, like that? I don't know. I think there are, there are rumors that uh, I think it was the Titans had him in for a pre-draft visit and kicked him out. And it's the only time, only person John Robinson's ever like kicked out of a like player interview. Like, so t- well, I've never heard that. Where, where did you I, hear I that? mean, y'all can just look it up. I, I'm, maybe I'm mixing up facts. Don't quote me on this. That's just what I've heard. Don't. Ooh, anyway, yeah. No, these are uh, bad. These accusations are very bad. Yeah, these are these are this is all. Joe, Ma- Joe you have Ma- some pulled up, Matias. No, 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 no. You have some. Oh, some oh, of them pulled up. Okay. Yes. Re- read some. Okay, so before Legend. he was recruited by Oklahoma, because like my scale of badness is like a scale of Marcus Mariota to Joe Mixon, Chad Kelly. So like this is going to be more toward Chad Kelly, Joe Mixon. I'm assuming. Yeah. Okay, so before he was recruited to Oklahoma, he was arrested twice on family violence complaints. Uh, Then in 2012, he was accused of throwing the mother of two children to the ground and biting the same woman's arm and punching her with close fist in 2013, although he was never convicted. My gosh. He is not not a great person. Yeah, so uh, I know this is kind of off topic because we were just kind of talking about the player like i i do not condone any of that if it's true obviously good yeah, lord so, like, <laughs> there's dude. more by the way yeah it's the same you know chad chad kelly went into a uh i think it was a sports bar in machine uh, gun kelly yeah he went in with an ak <laughs> with an ak-47 in his hand he said he was gonna spray yep, the place. he did because somebody tried to get into a fight with him and he went to his car he also on a less serious note uh and just again, because we're kind of flowing everywhere today, uh, he went to his brother's football game and jumped on the field and almost got into a fight with fourteen-year-olds. Uh, oh yeah, so, yeah, that was in his draft profile. That I yeah, read. so uh, there's that. But <laughs> he's gonna make a Pro Bowl at some point. By the way, that's my hope. His draft it's profile sick. reads like a like a crime thriller yeah. novel, <laughs> dude. Um, Sorry, so I, I kind of jumped in on your thought on uh, D.D. Westbrook. Did you have anything else you were trying to talk about? No, just those are really the two you have to worry I don't – he's really just used it in, in the red zone um, because he's really what good about, at high point the ball. Mon- what about – What you say? Dante Moncrief. He's Dante bad. Moncrief. He, yeah, he's – I don't know. I don't know. I thought he was going to be really good. Did he, didn't he play with Chad Kelly at Ole Miss? He might have, yeah. He's in fifth, fifth season. We are all over the place. <laughs> talking about players in terms of what they did with Chad Kelly. Mark Reef never reached this, but he's really just a high-pointing jump ball kind of guy um, in, in certain situations. So the guys we really have to worry about are Keelan Cole and Didi Westbrook, obviously, yeah. um, especially because they're both really quick and explosive and that seem to give – uh, the Titans problems through the first two weeks of the season. Quick question b- before we move on. Who was the last Ole Miss player who did reach their potential? Kim Beach is doing pretty good. Uh, I think we talked about that before the podcast, how he's tied in the league uh, 
with six tackles for losses and tackles at the line of scrimmage with Jarrell Casey. So good for Kim DJ. Um, Greg Hardy wasn't the worst person in the world. He might have. Well, this is this is the domestic violence podcast. <laughs> yeah. um, well, let's uh, let's switch topics, why don't we? Um, I think we've covered the weapons enough. Evan, We're going to move on to the defense. Uh, Evan Ingram's great. Oh yeah, I forgot about him. He was like my favorite player in the draft two yeah, years ago. Um, so let's talk about the defense, and let's start with the uh, linebackers. There's a four-three defense. I love four-three defenses because it doesn't get run enough these days. Uh, and the Jaguars have the best four-three linebackers. Okay. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> just I'm kidding, but ever. <laughs> Definitely in the NFL right now, they have the best. I mean, Paul Puslesny retired, so I'm not really sure who they play at Mike. Well, I guess they play Jack at Mike, but I don't know who they play at strong side because uh, Telvin Smith's the weak side oh, guy. Some dude named but, Leon Jacobs. You know, one of the three best <laughs> linebackers of all time. I guess. <laughs> so aside from Leon Jacobs, who that was the first time I'd ever heard his name, uh, Telvin Smith and Miles Jack. Will, I know – you're going to let Miles Jack have it, but you could do a lot worse than those guys, especially Smith. Like, you yeah, can't no, deny Smith is like an elite okay, player. Yeah. Uh, I, no, <laughs> I, Matias, if you want to go first, you can go first. Um, I, I'll let you get the hot takes. I'll, I'll just say I really like Telvin Smith. Um, he's just kind of a do it all linebacker. Um, he's just really fast, really quick to diagnose plays. Um, he made a great read on on a Mariota interception um, in that in that game uh, in Jacksonville la- last year. So he's definitely someone that you you, you don't want to attack, but th- there's not a lot of weaknesses that you can attack. I also Smith because when Mariota broke his fractured his fibula, uh, he went he went up to him when he was on the card, and that was that was really cool. Good uh good sportsmanship from him. So I like him. Miles Jack, I I think he's fine. I don't think he's I, the next big thing that everyone's making him out to be, he's never going to be a Luke Keekley type of linebacker, uh, but he could be maybe in the second tier, you know, one of those, one of those players who, if he's within a defense where he's surrounded yeah. with a lot of talent, he can really shine because he's just so athletic and he can play, he can play freely, which, which we've kind of seen that a little bit in Jacksonville. Okay. Will, before you talk, I want you to answer this question and then you can say whatever you want. I want you to rank these three linebackers: Miles Jack, Will Compton, Avery Williams. Okay, Go. Oh, that's okay. Miles Jack, uh, Will. <laughs> okay. Well, you cut out. I just Compton said, over Williams. Miles Jack, Compton, Williams. I don't think Williamson is good. Like, I mean, it's. Dude, I still have hopes that Compton Sorry. do something no. at some point. But yeah, Compton through two games is not great. But Williamson. Uh, in the Kansas City game is one of the worst games I've ever seen. I mean, he was a total mark. Like, they threw it at him many times in coverage, and they ran it at him. <laughs> trying to cover Travis Kelsey was the funniest thing I've ever seen. It's like me trying to cover Travis Kelsey. Yeah. And then, like, oh, he's very large, and then I just turn around, and the ball's in his hand. He's in yeah, Corbin Hunt drove him, like, three yards into the end zone. Like, they, they, you can't do both. <laughs> like, you can't have it both ways. Um, so. Oh, hold on. PFF has finally caught up to the Avery Williamson hype. He is ranked his greatest forty-seven point two. Yeah, okay, that's that's good. I was gonna say he finally 
is, you know, and I don't like, I feel bad for piling up on Avery Williamson now that he's not on the Titans and costing this yeah. game. Like, everybody, uh, and he was a nice guy. Yeah. yeah like, like and, and I'm sure he wanted to do well for the Titans because he's a local kid. And I don't, I don't know. I mean, like, I'm sure it kind of hurts his feelings that he didn't get re signed with the Titans and that they didn't really offer him anything. And, I mean, he was, a, he was a heck of a draft pick for a fifth-round draft yeah. pick. They got a full Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't really know. It must have been a defensive scheme thing why he just kind of fell off and just never was the same again. But, um, okay. So, uh, can I talk about the defensive line, too, or you want me to just talk about the linebackers? You, you can talk okay. about that, yeah. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe is one of my favorite non-Titans mm-hmm. players. Same. Uh, I I loved him coming out of Maryland. I thought he should have been a second round pick. I loved watching him in college. I I love watching him now. He's great. You know, he said he should be up there with Von Miller. I don't know that's true, but he's pretty damn close. Like he he's in the next tier and he's young, so he could definitely hit that. So I mean he's very good. Um Calais Campbell makes this whole defense go. Uh the defense was not the all-star destroyer of worlds that it was until Calais Campbell came. I mean, he, I think he was like top five in sacks last year uh, as with like 13 and a half or something. Crap. Yeah. I mean, he had a, he had a year. He, he, you know, at 31, he found the, you know, fountain of youth or whatever and did great. So I, those are two of may, the, oh, that's probably my favorite pair of non Titans pass rushers other than Bosa and Ingram in, uh, Los Angeles. So let's get that out of the way now. Like I, I have some Jaguars biases where I don't think they're as good as everybody else says. That's not one of them. I, I'm very impressed. Malik Jackson is probably the weak link on their defensive line. And I'm a Tennessee, you know, I went to Tennessee. So that- I, I completely agree with that. I'd rather have Campbell or Dory. Yeah. Like it's just, I think he was a guy that Jacksonville was desperate to pay somebody a ton of money to give them respectability. And he was part of a defense that was number one in the league. And they were just so praying that Dante Fowler and Malik Jackson would make this team good. So uh, take all that for what it's worth. Um, Okay, let me ask you all, as a run and hit and a coverage linebacker, who would you rather have, Telvin Smith or Miles Jack? Uh, Telvin Smith? As as a a a linebacker whose job is to run and hit, like – Sideline to sideline and to cover, like a do it all guy. Yeah, Telvin oh, Smith. Smith. So yeah, like that's that's the clear answer. So Miles Jack is just a watered down version of that because that's like that's what's what he was supposed to be. Is he was supposed to be Telvin Smith but better, and he's not. And everybody wants to justify their pre draft ranking by saying that that's what he's going to be is a bigger, stronger, faster Telvin Smith when he's just outclassed. He's not that guy. Telvin Smith is really fun to watch. He's electric. He's like uh, Levante David when Levante David was really going with Tampa. Uh, I mean, he's he's a fun linebacker to watch. Miles Jack is just not that guy. Like, he's tentative. He doesn't want to make contact ever. He wants to be the guy that comes in while you're getting tackled by somebody else and knocks out the ball and then gets to do a dance because he picks it up. Like, he wants to make the splash plays, but he's not willing to make the gritty plays. Um, in week one, Saquon Barkley's big touchdown came when he and Miles Jack were half a foot apart, and Miles Jack just stared at him. And instead of making contact, Barkley just cut to the right and just left him in the dirt. It, I mean, it was 
no contest. So, but nobody pays attention to that because Miles Jack got a pick. So, it's one of those things where he's done a decent job in the past four or five games making play that the people who have you know stand for him and really just tried to tell everybody how he was when he was playing bad, they can reference this and say, "Oh, look, I told you so." Instead of him being like Aaron Curry and everybody being like, he's going to be good, he's going to be good, and then him being out of the league. So um, that's kind of where I am with Miles Jack. Like, he, like, I don't think he's better in any phase than Jayon Brown. I think they're basically the same guy, and I think Jayon Brown's more willing to do the dirty work. So, you know, take, take that for what you will, but if, if he was behind another defensive line that wasn't didn't have a Hall of Famer and one of the best young pass rushers in the nation, or I don't, I don't think he would be nearly as good because he would have to have actual responsibilities. Interesting. Um, let's talk about the corners because, good lord, Boye and Ramsey. Yeah, it's uh, it's not easy. Not easy to complete a on that. Although Taewon did burn AJ Boyan last year, if you guys remember, that was cool. And then he never saw the ball for the rest of the year. I mean, let's just go go ahead and hop into. Uh, we'll kind of close with matchups, but I, right now I'm going to talk about game plan. What do you do in the passing game? Because Johnny Smith's not going to do anything against uh, Telvin Smith. He got murdered by Telvin Smith last year, and he only got that screen pass because Jacksonville had given up at that point. Corey Davis is not going to be. Uh, Jalen Ramsey. That will not happen. Rashard Matthews could beat, you know, Boye or Ramsey, but Corey Day, I don't know, man. Like, and then, you know, Deion Lewis, he, the linebackers are faster than he is. I mean, what do you do? These are questions. I mean, obviously you run Derrick Henry, but like when you do throw, what do you do? It's, I, I don't know. I don't even know how to answer this question. Um, because I, I don't, I, I don't know. Honestly, we really need. The- well, I mean, we, we've seen that the Jags' weakness is physicality, right? Yeah, yeah. So, how do you beat them with physicality through the air? Uh, I mean, because uh, it's easy to beat them on the ground. You just give it to Derrick Henry twenty-five times, and I think that's definitely what you you should do in this game. I did, and I never that didn't that. work. Week but, seventeen last year, he averaged one point eight yards a carry. Yeah, but they won. Yeah, Matias. Uh, because Bortle, the worst <laughs> game in history. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> so bad. Um. So I. I mean, if I don't know how to answer this question honestly, Johnu Smith needs to needs to do something because Delaney Walker has been kind of our go-to in against the Jaguars. Um. Because those are the best matchups we get because their cornerbacks are just so good. Uh, I think we finally kind of have a, a healthy Corey Davis who's really into the offense um, and, and is kind of in rhythm. Um, so I, I think he can have a decent game. I think you have to use Taewon Taylor a lot in this game uh, on a couple of screens and send him on a couple of, of go routes because, I mean, I mean he beat Boye on a go route. He burned him last year um, in the first game. So maybe he can do it again. I have no idea. Um, I just you can't trust Rashard Matthews right now. He he has done nothing. Uh, he he's just still getting acclimated to the offense, still getting acclimated after the knee injury. So he's not really someone we can count on right now. So other players are just going to have to step up. And I I mean 
I think Deion Lewis can can be used um, efficiently in this game. Uh, the Patriots used James White a lot um, in the it, against the Jaguars last week, and James White had a pretty good game. Um, so, uh, Sony Michelle and Rex Burke had were kind of their thoughts. So I, Deion Lewis uh, and Corey Davis are, are probably the main guys that are are going to see a lot of the touches, and, and they're really going to be the the only possible ways that we're, we're going to be able to move the ball efficiently through the air. Um, okay, so if you don't like X's and O's talk, just skip until you start stop hearing my voice. Okay, so this is what they should do. They should go into three wide receiver sets a lot. They should put Corey Davis in the slot because Jalen Ramsey really doesn't go to the slot. He will on occasion, but for the Titans, I don't know that he would. He usually does it when it's like he's got to cover – you know, Andre Johnson, Calvin Johnson, you know, Oda Beckham, all, all, you know, really high quality opponents. And I don't think the Jaguars would deem Corey Davis good enough for that yet. So Corey Davis needs to go in the slot and play against DJ Hayden or whoever they put on him. And mm-hmm. then he needs to win that matchup. Like he's, people forget he's six, three and really athletic. Like go ahead and put your nickel corner on him and he'll beat you until he stops, you know, and he might not beat you for an 80-yard pass, but he may beat you on a 10-yard screen. He may beat you on, a, you know, a 12-yard slant. You know, it may be like a post. I mean, there's there's a bunch of things he can do. And in the slot, you can't even get your hands on him. So you already started a disadvantage. So that's rule number one. Rule number two is Taewon has to be outside a lot. Like, Taewon has to be on the field for... 80% of the snaps, he has to be your wide receiver too. Just because he's got to tire out A.J. Boye, which is what smart teams have done in the past. That's what um, the Patriots did is they put the fast receiver that they traded to L.A. I forget his name. Uh, they put Cooks. Him, Brandon Cooks. Uh, Brandon Cooks, yeah. And they put him outside, and they would have him run go routes and uh, just had him run Boye to death. And then in the second half, they went at Boye and – kind of whooped his ass a little bit. And that's just what you have to do. Like, A.J. Boye is good. He's not as talented as Jalen Ramsey, obviously. So you work that dude to death, and then you pick on him and the other corner you force to be on the field. Uh, then you just – I mean, if you're talking about physicality in the, in the passing game, you've got to be able to move around and bootleg and get your wide receivers in a position where they have space – which means longer routes. Kind of what we were talking about, what you don't want to do against uh, Keelan Cole and D.D. Westbrook is you've got to force uh, the Jaguars to come up and play seven, eight men in the box and really respect the run game. And then you've got to attack those one-on-one with you know field-stretching plays and crossing routes and rubs and all that kind of stuff, which, I, I mean, I'm sure Matt LaFleur has in his offense, and I'm sure he can do. So I think you'll see some of that. It's just are Conklin and Lawan going to play and are you going to have enough time? So I, th- I think that's how you out physical them is you force them into one on one on one situations where Corey Davis can stiff arm somebody to hell. And then you run screen games where he's just tougher than the guy they leave unblocked. And that's, that's just how you do it. Uh, I definitely agree with that. That's a very good answer. Uh, before we close out, there's two matchups I want to go through real quick uh, that I think will define this game. We talked about Henry, and I think that's obviously a big matchup. 
because I think the Titans offense should and probably will run through him on Sunday just because, as we've been saying for a couple minutes now, the way to beat Jacksonville is through physicality. Uh, but there's two other matchups that I think for the Titans could help them win this game. Number one is Brian Arakpo versus whoever in the world that left tackle is that the Jags have now. Josh Wells. When Cam- Never heard of him. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Josh Wells. When Brian Arakpo would go against Cam Robinson, he would like take him to yeah. sleep. Yeah. And now Arakpo is going against a guy that I think the three of us only heard of about an hour ago for the first time. Yes. So the only thing I know about Josh Wells is thanks to PFF, he wa- he earned a 49.5 grade in 62 snaps against the Patriots, and that was the lowest graded offensive player. So that's all we need to know, really. Yeah. I mean, that. so uh, without getting too much into detail, Brian Arakpo would kill Cam. Like, he would kill him under the arm. Like, with a rip move, he would kill him by jacking him up. I mean, he had his number every which way. And so if this is the guy they had behind that guy, you've got to assume he's got worse, bigger flaws. So, yeah, rotate Harold Landry and Brian yes. Arakpo and yes. kill that guy. I mean, work him, make him get his kick slide down or let Bortles get sacked. I mean— that's that's absolutely what you do. Landry would have wrecked Cam Robinson. There was no way Cam Robinson would have even been able to to deal with Landry's bend. And I can't even imagine this guy and, is going to be able yeah, to even do. And before we go on, um, the counter to this, everybody says, is, oh, leave a tight end or just have your, ski, your offensive line shift one way. It's really easy to compete against. All you have to do is line up a linebacker in that gap in between the tackle and the guard, and then if he kicks out way too far on Harold Landry, just tell him to keep going around the edge and blitz the linebacker in that gap, and you've got a wide-open gap. It's exactly what Dean Pease did uh, against Watson, except he did it with a slot corner coming inside. So I know that play is in the playbook. Just watch and see if they do that, because I don't think teams have a bunch of answers for, especially in the AFC South, have a bunch of answers for speed rushers like Iraq Poe, who's more of a speed and power rusher, and Harold Landry, who's just outright fast. I, I totally think that the way that you win this game for the Titans is, number one, you have to get a push mm-hmm. with the defense, right? You're not going to beat the Jags' defense. You're not going to take them to town. But what you can do is not let them score, because that's when the Jags beat you is when they you know pick the ball up and run it in the end zone or get a pick six. So if, if you keep the ball the whole game and every drive ends in a kick, punt, extra point, kickoff, whatever, but then on defense, that's where you're going to have to win. And that's why, where I think that matchup with Arakpo comes into play because you've got to make Bortles uncomfortable and you've got to make him that, that bad quarterback that we've seen he can be. But this is, I think, the biggest matchup that could decide the game, and it's Kevin Byard versus Blake Bortles. <laughs> Not Kevin Byard versus Jags receivers, Kevin Byard versus Blake Bortles. And here's why I say that. There's two reasons. Number one, Kevin Byard is so good at baiting quarterbacks into throws. We we saw it with uh, – uh, who's, who's the really bad guy? Kaiser. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we saw it with Kaiser. Uh, and we've seen it with Bortles. Byard has had great success against Bortles. And uh, obviously winning this game, I feel like for the Titans – Look, the Jags are a good team, and I feel like winning this game is going to take a turnover. 
because much like we said last week, it was going to take a turnover, something on special teams, and that happened. The Titans picked off Deshaun Watson and got a special teams touchdown. This week, because they're probably going to have Mariota back, they're probably going to have LeJuan, maybe even Conklin back, I don't think it's going to take as much, but I certainly think you need a takeaway on defense, and that's where Kevin Byer comes into play. But the second reason is, this will be, and you better believe this is on a bulletin board somewhere in Duval County, Florida. This is the first game the Titans and the Jags have played since Byard made the comment about we need to make Tom Brady look like Blake Bortles. Mm, interesting. You know, I, I hadn't really thought about that matchup as one of the one of the main matchups, but it's really interesting. Uh, and I was just going through the through, through the numbers a little bit. Byard last year against Bortles um, had three pass deflections, and then he had that two interception game um in week 17 so it's definitely something to to keep an eye on um and and i really do want buyer to get a pick to doing uh not that i'm expecting him to just just get a pick every week. um but i i just want him to, to re- all the others dbs have yeah. <laughs> butler has one and Dory yeah, has yeah. one and uh, oh, Kenny yeah. yeah and over the last few years just really weren't getting interceptions so it's kind of it's really refreshing to see our dbs picking balls off um, last year with Byard, and this year it's it's been the other guys. So I bet Byard's definitely itching to to get that first yeah, of the season. Definitely. Um, and, and like you said about the turnover uh, battle, it really is important. And we saw how important it was uh, last week. Um, w- uh, we won the turnover battle, um, and we ended up winning the game. And a lot of that was due to Gabber not turning the ball over. Mariota has turned the ball over. I think. Twice, I think last year against the Jaguars, he turned over twice. Uh, he had a pick in the first game, and I think he lost a fumble on that really weird. Yeah, it was a weird play. It was like the snap back. play. It, yeah, Henry ran into him, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a miscommunication. It was, zone, it was supposed to be his own read. Yeah, and something. They said Henry yeah. ran the wrong way. Well, they didn't, but the the film shows that Henry mm-hmm. ran. So thankfully, we ended up winning the turnover battle both of the games, and it ended up being that we ended up winning those games. So I, I agree with your points. Yeah, um, something that I, I went back and watched the game for a third time uh, this morning. Uh, there's, a, I think, two or three different plays where the linebackers just completely miss a running back from the Texans, and Byard is immediately in there to stop the bleeding. Uh, I mean, it's. It, I think it brings up third and three or third and four one time, and the other time it makes it third and one, which I think the Titans actually stop. Um, it, Byard is one of the most complete safeties in the NFL for all all the love and, you know, respect I guess he gets from being an interception leader. He and Vaccaro are probably the best tandem of safeties in the NFL right now. Um Sindeco, I mean and I think they would have been even better if it was him and Cyprian. I I don't I don't know just because I can't remember ever seeing Cyprian get an interception and I like do that. Um, I like Vaccaro a lot, man. I yeah, really do. And I and I and I don't mean any disrespect to Cyprian. Like I think you, there's a very clear way you can use those two to really make it like a potent defense. But Vaccaro's been you know really good, and he he is what we thought he was going to be when he was a free agent, which usually doesn't happen. Like Rashad Breland is still a free agent, and everybody swears he's the top fifteen twenty corner in the NFL but there's obviously something wrong with him. So usually when guys last that long, there's an issue and there was some, you know, protest stuff and some injury stuff that people were concerned about, but all that's nonsense right now. I mean, he's, he's doing really well on the field, but I mean, him and Byard and 
maybe Sendejo and Harrison from Minnesota are the only safety tandems I can think of right now who are as good. I, I don't know. I mean, the Titans may have the best safety duo in the league, so watch out for Bayard for sure. But Kenny Vaccaro is somebody who quietly made – I mean, he made a really good tackle and run in the run defense last week against Houston and just some dude yeah. – I mean, knocked his legs out from him and just killed a guy. And then – so. On the – Go, go well, ahead, I, I mean, I'm just kind of rambling now about how good they are. I mean, I can always talk about how good Titans players are, especially after wins. So. <laughs> well, then I'll, yeah. I'll hop in and say when it comes to safety duos, I think maybe one that may come close is Eric Weddle and Tony Jefferson. Okay, so here's the thing. I, mm. I am a big Eric Weddle fan, like historically, but I watched the Bengals run by him like all day on Thursday. Well, yeah, yeah and Thursday night football is weird. But, I mean, if you're not going to be a strong safety – and you're going to be a free safety, and you—you you mean if you've got to be old, that's—I mean—that sucks. Like it just—it happens. But if you're on the field and you're getting run by by a divisional opponent in a primetime game, and it just looks like you're giving your all and you're just getting blown by, I mean, that's not a great sign. All right. Any last thoughts before we wrap up? No. Just win the game, please. That'd be nice. Yeah. This this is a game. I don't feel like the Titans will win if one of the big three names isn't playing. Like, I think you really need... Well, I think two of them are definitely going to play, Mariota and Lawan. I think Conklin... I think I think those are musts. I think you might be able to get away with Panfield at right tackle. Um, they may have Kelly at right He's tackle. still sick. He didn't practice. He's supposed to be in the facility. Yeah, tomorrow. but, like, if he's got the flu, like, it's, it's not a, a crazy thing to say he's lost 10 pounds. I, I mean... If he, yeah, like I don't, I don't know what he's had. Like maybe he had studied. And I think that is the biggest thing. The yeah. So like, and he hadn't been there for a full week of game plan. Like he doesn't know if there's a different line call, all that kind of stuff. So that's tough. I mean, the the reports are that Conklin and Lawan have been working with the first team offensive line in drills. Which, if you're going against a divisional opponent and you are pretty sure that Conklin's not going to play, you probably around Thursday, definitely by Friday, need to have him out of the starting lineup so you can get everybody gelled together. So hopefully that's a good sign, but I think you really need all three to play to give you a chance. Yeah, I, I think, let me just say, I, I think a win in Jacksonville would be huge because we play the Eagles in week four. Uh, I know the Eagles just lost to the Buccaneers, but they, they're getting Carson Wentz back, uh, and that defense is still really good. Um, and, and it's not a great matchup for us. So I think a win in Jacksonville will be really big uh, and really important. Well, that's going to do it for us. Uh, hope you enjoyed the preview. These are things that, uh, that we work really hard at. I know we try to have some good real analysts, uh, excuse me, analysis, and to try to actually, you know, actually preview the opponent instead of just sitting around and talking about how the Titans are going to blow everybody out. Uh, so we, we try our best, and we hope you enjoy it. Uh, we also hope you enjoy the game. Uh, we will talk to everybody next week. For Matias Wadner and Will Lomas, I'm Luke Horsham. Thanks for listening, everybody. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.